Hi, and thanks for downloading this episode of Queer I Am, the podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. This podcast started as a small idea and has turned into a real passion project for me and is something that I wish to continue to make way into the future, but I need your help in doing so. So there is a cost in making Queer I Am, the podcast, and it's something that I funded and will continue to do so for the foreseeable future. But if you'd like to get involved and support the podcast by subscribing to Acast Plus, that would be incredible. And if this is something you can't do, no worries at all. I really hope you keep enjoying the episodes and I intend to keep making them for as long as possible. Season three is coming up and you are in for an absolute treat. I am so, so excited. If you'd like to support the podcast, details of how you can do this are in the blurb of the episode you were listening to. And what this also means is you get to listen to all of the episodes of Queer I Am The Podcast, past and future, completely ad-free. So no interruptions whatsoever. What could be better? Anyway, enough of the serious blurb. Let's crack on with the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You've got something you need to accept as well. Um... So how do I, hang on, right, I always struggle with this. It's recording on my end. It's recording, cool, amazing, amazing, amazing. Okay, so Daniel, thank you so, so much for being a guest on Queer I Am, the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. No, it's a pleasure. You're in Greenwich, so that's always um, always a win. <laughs> oh, you're in Greenwich. Oh, lovely. Yeah, Greenwich, London. It's lucky because I've got the park and um, today, a rare day in the UK, it's actually sunny. So sunny. Mm. I'm utilise it. How are you? I'm good. Oh, thank you very much. I'm very good. Yeah, really good. I'm well, you know, we've had the chat. I'm a little bit hungover today, but it's okay. It's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, and I agree. I'm in Brighton and it's really sunny today. It's a bit cold, but it's really, really lovely. Um, and I think, yeah, we've had some really awful like rain this week and like cold weather and stuff. So it's just it's quite nice to um to have a bit of sun. Even if it's cold, a bit of sunshine I think does make you feel a bit brighter, doesn't it? It's a perfect mix. Cold. Yeah, definitely. So if you had to pick a song today to reflect your mood, what would your song be? Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> um, okay. My song would be... Oh, well, on the spot. Um, maybe it would be um, You've Got the Love by Candy Saturn. Oh, um, nice. Featuring Source, the, uh, like the broken down one. Um just because I'm in a good mood, that gets me sort of like going. That makes mm. me smile. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel the day. And I think that, yeah, you've got the yeah. love is a good message to carry with you. So that would yeah. be mine. I always think of um, the end of, did you watch Sex and the City when it was on as a TV show? 
Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, because that's in that bit when um, at the end when she's on oh, she the back. phone and you find out his name. Yeah. Um, yeah, John. Yeah, yeah. Well, and also it's, it just reminds me of friendship because it's kind of like, you know, she comes back from Paris and then she comes into the cafe and you just start hearing the, the first few kind of yeah. bars of it. And I, I don't know, it's just, it's an amazing absolutely it gets you just so like i well personally it reminds me of uni and my uni days so it gets Mm -hmm. me really like um going and then obviously it was used in the series which obviously yeah so yeah no brilliant really good really cool i am i do do like the florence version but um there's some heavy vibrato in that in that version she's she has a powerhouse voice doesn't she it's uh i do prefer the original but um it's it's still good it's still a good track um, so you mentioned you're you're in Greenwich. Um, where did you originally grow up? Yeah, so I was actually born in Cambridge. Oh <laughs> wow! I, um, which I tell people sometimes. I'm from, my passport says Cambridge, so that's what I'm going with. Um, <laughs> but I was really raised in Essex, so I guess I'm really an Essex boy at heart. Because um, we moved when I was like one year old and yeah. three years old, maybe actually. Um, and um, yeah, lived in Southend mm. in Essex um, and grew up there. And yeah, it has a bit of a bad rep sometimes, but actually Essex is, yeah, it's a good place. It's a nice place to grow up and um, a small town in Southend. So it's quite nice. You knew everyone. Yeah. Good <laughs> yeah, everyone knows each other's business, but actually you can build some real like friendships as well, I guess, um, which is nice. Cambridge, I'm, so I'm from Suffolk originally. So um, yeah. yeah, so not too far from in the East Anglia, you know, kind of uh, yeah. region. Yeah, um, I love Cambridge is such a beautiful city. I absolutely love going to Cambridge. It's so lovely. Um, never been to Southend. Um, I've got relatives that are from from that way. Um, but no, I've never, never been. But what was that like for you? I mean, obviously, you know, we're here to talk about your amazing book and so I've got an insight into into this, but for people listening, what was that like growing up as as a queer kid, or you know how you identify as gay? How what was that like for you in terms of being somewhere like that in Essex and discovering who you were as a person? Yeah, I mean, at first, I think it was um, like everybody. I'm sure um, you struggle to find your outlets, you struggle to find your people, mm-hmm. um, whether you're in a big city or a small um, sort of town, um, and like everyone I guess or the majority of people I did like sort of struggle with identity struggle with uh, sort of my process and I was in a very um heterosexual environment um mm-hmm. or so I thought um with growing up in school and stuff and um like the book sort of references through um, different chapters with friends and bullies um I did sort of um struggle a lot actually growing up um just because I didn't feel I had the place that other people had and I felt mm-hmm. out a lot of the time and struggling to find my voice. Um, so it was hard. I would say like growing up in growing up anywhere um, when you feel a little bit lost or alone mm-hmm. is incredibly hard. Um, and actually I've spoken to people who have grown up in like London or um, other places and slightly bigger towns. And I think they had this similar experience as well, because I think no matter where you are, Mm-hmm. you feel alone and you don't know where to look or turn or mm-hmm. um google <laughs> yeah you really are sort of like in this small bubble anyway so yeah. it's very hard to break out but yeah south end was an interesting place to grow up i mean i love it and i hate it for various reasons mm-hmm. um, but in the end it became a sort of safe haven actually mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. although i went through um a weird and struggling time at school I ended up finding um, a really core group of people um, who sort of pulled me out of the closet and into the light so to speak and um, Mm -hmm. Southend's got this lovely um, 
small gay pub called The Cliff. Okay. Um, and it is a gay pub. And that was very rare, actually, when I was growing up for the, a small town to have such an iconic pub. And it's still there today. Go and have a drink there. Um, Amazing. And it actually has formed so many of my memories and um, yeah. so many of my friendship groups. And so I was very fortunate to have that. It was um, almost like a blanket in mm-hmm. a, a very hetero town. Yeah, something that you that you knew. Yeah, I think it's really interesting what you said there around um, bigger cities or places. You assume that people may have a, an easier time because they're not in a small a small place. But you know, I'm living in Brighton now, and obviously this is like you know I call it Queerville. It's just like you know everything goes here, and it's amazing. It's beautiful, and it's just unapologetic, and I love it. But even if you're you know a teenager growing up here. Um, I imagine, as you said, you still have your issues and difficulties and, you know, journey of self-acceptance because we're still, you know, on the back of so much discrimination and so much prejudice and, you know, kind of uh, propaganda from a time when, you know, it was really unfavourable and seemed less as to be gay, queer, however you identify. So I think that, you know, when you are a kid, like an 80s kid like I was, and, you, you know, you're, yeah, yeah, and your parents are, you know, they've been reading stuff in the papers and, you know, you then like hear bits and pieces of what people are talking about. That does leave a mark, doesn't it? And it becomes harder to to have that, you know, element of self-acceptance. Whereas I guess now we're in more of a, you know, things are moving on. Hopefully the kids that are coming up, you know, now will see things in a bit of a different different kind I of way. So. But I do worry though, like that that's an interesting thing because um, I've been asked this question a lot since obviously doing the book, do you think we're in a better place right now? And it's really interesting because I do, on one hand, I think that we're so progressive and um, we've got brilliant um, charities, organisations, um, awareness in place, but mm. we're also still so, we've got so much further to go because yeah. of different different things. I mean, we're still not accepted, we're still not equal, we're still not there's so many barriers like Mm. where we are yes we're in such a better place yes I feel more confident I feel more comfortable being myself and I think kids are able to do that with the likes of things like Heartstopper for example Mm. um, being an incredible platform um, to showcase that kids can be who they are in school um, through book and um, obviously series and I think there are those things in place and we need more. We need to just keep on showcasing. And it's like yeah. we were talking before about um, that hopefully you're writing an incredible book as well. And I think that the more the merrier. I think everyone mm. needs to continue to publicise um, awareness, to keep talking, to keep on having these conversations because we're not done. And mm. that's the thing. Um, yes, it's wildly more accepted, but we're still not there yet. Well, I love the strapline of your book, um, which will come on to all the conversations that we never had. And I and I kind of, you know, on my post the other day when I actually, because again, it's something, the book that I'm thinking about writing or I'm writing is something that has been there in the background. And it's, I don't know, it's that imposter syndrome where you think, would it be good enough? Could I do it? Do I have enough to say? What are my opinions? And I think you're right. It's just about, in, it's about joining the conversation. It's about lending your insights, what you're learning, you know, how, you know, the things that have shaped you. And that's kind of where I'm coming from with it. It's like, actually, what did I learn over the last 38 years? Actually, what could I advice would I give to someone else to help them so they don't fall into some of the same traps that I did? Or, you know, I think it's about just kind of having those open conversations so people learn. Because if not, as you say, we're we're still repeating the cycles, aren't we? And we're still, you know, not progressing, um, you know, yeah. quick enough, which is, you know, really important that we we do. So obviously you're in London, queer community in London. 
are you in love with it do you do you go out quite a lot do you are you is there a nice scene where you are in terms of Greenwich or do you is it down to Soho or what's it like for you well as you can see from my tired appearance today <laughs> um, I do like to go out I'm a bit of um <clears throat> I like to dabble um and to be honest I think London's an interesting one because where I moved from, obviously, South End, um, mm. where the community is so small, everyone knew each other. Mm. Um, you literally had a pub as the beacon of the community and ma- majority of people, if they were out and comfortable, would go to this place. Um, so everyone knew each other's business. Everyone knew sort of each other. And if you didn't, you'd know someone who knew a person. Then I moved to London um, and... I've been living in London for a few years now and working in it longer. And you really, well, you really start from scratch. You kind of like, um, you know, different people um, who perhaps have done the move as well or through work or different things. Um, But you have pockets of different people in different locations and Mm -hmm. just we all know. So it's a lot harder. It's harder to find your tribe. And um, it's actually, it's a big place with so much availability and obviously there's um soho which is a hub for it there's um different places obviously clapham's got some um a a gay community as they say um Mm -hmm. but i mean because there's so many different parts and different people it's hard but you do start to find your people and you find sort of you gravitate towards different people and i mean again even though it's not a small town it feels small because everyone then, oh, I know them or I know them through them or I've dated them. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So we've chatted. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, but I think living in London as a gay man, I I love it personally because I've I've found some fantastic friendships mm-hmm. and um, really and great relationships. And I think that there's opportunity here. Um, mm. But I can understand a couple of people have said that it's overwhelming, um, it's suffocating and um, people really, I think, need friends. And Mm -hmm. I think that actually what our community is doing really well at the moment is accepting others. And Mm -hmm. I think that we're becoming more accepting within the community um, to unite with outside the community, which I think is really important because I think we went through a stage where there was a lot of, and there still is, but judgment and um like mean girl-esque style stuff yeah yeah hierarchy yeah absolutely Mm. you can't sit here sort of culture and I mean which isn't helpful to anyone I think that we're meant to be a community of love of acceptance of like bringing everyone together on pride and sometimes we don't practice that so sometimes Mm. London can reflect that and I'm sure Brighton can as well yeah, I mean, I think, you know, what, what always strikes me is London is, as you said, is vast. It's so big. And it's, you know, when I, a few weeks ago, I was, um, actually when I was going to Gatwick to go on holiday, um, we pulled into like, um, near the, the train station and things. And and I don't know, it, it was, it was just vast. It was just, I saw some of the houses and all, you know, and you just kind of think, wow, can you imagine being a person in this massive city? Whereas in Brighton, you know, it's, it's a, it's a city but really it's it's a bit more of a town and it's by the sea and that you know it doesn't take you long to walk from one side to the other so it's a bit of a difference there i really love what you said there about finding your people and community because i definitely feel like that has been a big big thing for me moving here um and actually i guess like the place i went to last night um there are regulars in there i see people even if we're not like 
you know friends as such like there are people in there that i'm just like oh hi how you doing and you know it's you you vibe off them because we've had those shared experiences in that place so I, I think that's that's really really important. But I can only imagine being somewhere like London. Yes, it's you can find those people eventually, but it is so much bigger, isn't it? It must be quite a challenge, or, and as you say, overwhelming when you first start out. Yeah, I think so, and I think it's one it's one of these things. I mean, I was chatting to my friend yesterday, <clears throat> who um, for unfortunately I was with family and out with family, but I couldn't go to um, roast. And I think like there's different um, parts of the community that are now wanting to try other parts as well there's mm-hmm. there's fantastic sort of theme nights or and um, fetish nights and um, different things and I think back in the day I was really like no I'm I'm this I'm very um straight laced vanilla or whatever you want to say and I mean I'm probably still sort of like that but I'm now more open-minded and think yeah okay I, I could put on a harness maybe and see what see what this is all about yeah yeah <laughs> um, definitely but I think and I think the the community is accepting in that way like yeah we can try on these different sort of roles yeah. and, and find our fit because we might like different things and stuff and I think London presents that opportunity that you yeah tonight I might go to a rooftop bar tomorrow I might go to Soho and the next day there's um feel it night on Friday and I mean they're they're so different each one but mm-hmm. I mean, we're all trying to, and again, my book discusses this, but trying to find our identity, trying to find who I, who we are. And mm. I think that that doesn't just stop after you come out. We continue, like yeah. we, keep on, we keep on changing and evolving and mm. too right, we should. You know, it's so funny you say that because I was actually writing the other day and I was thinking about this and how when I came out at 19, I thought, well, that's it. I'm out now. I can live, I can live. And this is, this is now how it is. And I'm so different. I'm 38 now. It's like 20 20 years ago and it's like I am such a different person thank goodness you know but it's yeah. you're right it's we we open our our minds up to so much and and also I think we're influenced by the people that we first know or first you know um have associations with and you think oh no this is this is how they when you're not 19 or 20 and you're really influential it's like no this is how you are as a, as a gay person or a queer person and then you start to like meet other people and have different conversations and then you kind of go actually I could do x y and z and it's really funny actually because um you mentioned about the, the harness i haven't worn one of those but at pride this year in brighton i wore a massive rainbow tutu which i absolutely loved Love that with knee-high socks and then i was there and obviously we've got like quite a big prowler shop in kemp town and i was a bit like mm, i just don't feel like this is complete what this needs is a jock so i <laughs> got a jock and i went to the pub toilet and got changed and i was like yeah now i feel like i'm being a bit naughty under my tutu as well this is this is cool but again a few years ago I probably wouldn't have entertained that. I'd have been like, oh, no, I can't wear that. That's, you know, it, so it's nice to change and, you know, evolve, I guess, crazy. isn't it? Yeah, it's crazy because you kind of think to yourself, like, you. Are, I feel like acceptance is coming within. And, mm. like, the more I get older, the more I, like, sort of learn, the more I talk to different people in the community, um, which I encourage, the more I feel comfortable to, like, do different things. I did a feature the other day um, where it's coming out soon, and it was about painting the painting your nails. And right. I was definitely not a person who would ever have painted my nails. Um, and I almost like shied away from it. And if I saw someone with painted nails on the tube or whatever, I'd be like, "Oh gosh, you're brave." And that's all I kept yeah. thinking. You're very brave to like put that out there. Um, but why not? Like, there's research that shows that actually more straight men are yeah. um, painting their nails and stuff. And too, you should be able to embrace if you want to wear a dress, if you want to. I don't know, whatever you want to just sort of do, try mm. it, feel it and see see what it's like. And I think that we are in an accepting time, mostly, where mm-hmm. we can try this mm-hmm. stuff. We should. Mm-hmm. And perhaps we've always been someone who yeah. wants to go to too. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, this is it. I mean, I, I, you know, I paint my nails. I did them last night. They're, they look a bit shocking, actually. Oh, but, um, yeah, like, like a like a pearlescent kind of oh, mermaid. Yeah, love that. Very nice. I, I have I have gels done and all sorts. And the thing is, for me, like that was a real anxiety. I, you know, I again was brought up to you know, boys don't paint their nails. Nails, boys do this. Girls do this. You know, and those binaries really stick, and they become you know that internalized prejudice of yourself and your desires and you feel wrong for it and that's definitely something that over the last couple of years i think for me and i've said this a few times on the podcast covid was just like a time where you just couldn't run from your shit anymore it's like you had to just face the stuff that maybe you could be distracted from before you had to just kind of go actually how do i really feel about this like there's nowhere to run and hide here what what is my thought on this and then it's and it's like it's it's nail varnish for christ's sake you know it's it's not you know, it's 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 polish on your nails. Why have we got a binary around this? Like, just yeah. everyone fucking paint the nails and just enjoy it. And it's it's fabulous. Like, sometimes I'm out with my bright red nails and my gin, and I'm like, oh yeah, I feel great tonight. And you know, it's it's you just have to do what makes you feel happy. I think it's just it's just really really important, isn't it? It so is, and I think it's like it's all part of like piecing yourself together in a way. And I think that what the difference between obviously the heterosexual community versus our community mm-hmm. is they've had the chance to obviously they've had a mold they've sort of slotted into but if their sexuality is heterosexual they've had the chance to express that how they want and and be and we've never we've always had to express ours behind closed doors sort of thing to try different things and like you say like covid did allow people to sort of okay, fuck this, I'm going to, life's too short, like what the hell is happening, I'm locked in my mm-hmm. house, mm-hmm. I'm going to have, to try drag, like uh, yes, yeah. the, rise, the rise in people that tried drag during um, COVID was huge, and and I think like this is something that is just really important, I think that being yourself um, and finding yourself is, is something that is non-negotiable, we should always mm. be able to do. Yeah. And when you do, I think it, it's infectious, it becomes, you get more powerful and you become more and more kind of like comfortable with you know each, each step you take it just it becomes like okay it's now easier to do this one or you know i think it's just it's really really important so we've talked about your fabulous book a few times and um we we should really like um dive into that because i absolutely loved it so the book gay man talking all the conversations we never had so congratulations first of all um i read it in grand canaria a couple of weeks ago on my sun lounge it was very very nice um and yeah, it was just, I really kind of like just fell into it and just really enjoyed and, and again, related to, to so much. So for anyone that hasn't read it, can you tell us a bit about the book? Yeah, sure. So thank you so much for that. Um, I hope it was a good read in Grand Canaria. Yeah, it was, it was honestly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So Gay Man Talking, All the Conversations We Never Had is about sort of um, going out there into the world after you've come out. Um, and it's essentially the the fact that we come out um, and we kind of think the job's done a lot of the time. Um, mm. Because I, for one, had spoken to my parents, my friends and stuff and came out and it was uncomfortable. It was awkward. And I kind of wanted to sweep that conversation under the carpet and move forward. Um, and that's what I did. And I realised that so many other people do that. They they sort of stop talking after they come out. It's not about the fact that you're embarrassed or shy. It's the fact that you you did a huge thing and you want to move forward and sort of mm-hmm. get on with life now. But actually what I found was through, actually I wrote an article for um, Cosmopolitan around being the gay best friend. And I realised actually there's lots of different things that I had sort of pushed down inside me that I wasn't comfortable with or I had um, sort of like, other conversations that I needed to have. Um, and so this sort of sparks, actually, we need to start talking. We need to, mm-hmm. like, I was, I, I was like 30, 
three, I think. And I was, I, I thought, right, I need to, I need to start this conversation. I need mm-hmm. to start talking um, and actually re-have these conversations. So it sparked this really interesting journey. And that is what Gay Man Talking is all about. I go through um, sort of a different conversations with different people from my parents to friends, to role models, to um, chapters about sex, about couples, and really sort of have those awkward and sometimes cringeworthy conversations to really see not just how I am feeling now, years on, mm-hmm. but actually how those people felt. And yeah. it was shocking. Like, I never knew some of the stuff my parents were internalising. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I think the chapters are so varied, as you mentioned, you know, and you know, conversation with your parents, siblings, and um, about sex and things. I think that it was really interesting because there was, there's a few comments that you made in the book around like um, I didn't kind of, I never had that conversation and actually um, I wasn't too sure how to have it or actually how that person felt about it. And I think when you then, when you're there having the conversations and you're asking the people the questions around how they feel, it almost felt like they were like, well, actually how, how do I feel about this? And it was a way for them to process things as well. I mean, obviously you had your own view on the topics you were discussing um but you know did did they um what did they do personally for you in terms of understanding your own story and journey do you think it was like a quite a healing process for you to to have those chats and also reflect on your own experiences of those conversations as well yeah do you know what i i actually i mean I've struggled so hard when I was younger with um, coming out of my sexuality. I didn't want to be gay. Um, and I, I'm very honest in how I come across about that. Mm. And I think that it was something that obviously I couldn't avoid because I was and I didn't want to avoid. But I also knew that I would find things easier if I wasn't. So I really mm. struggled actually growing up. And then even when I came out, I kind of I kind of struggled in, with my identity and I sort of pretended to be more straight than I was, even though I was gay. And I do all these like sort of heteronorm style things and think like I've got to fit into this mold. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually through having these conversations and from writing the book, and I was very fortunate to find a really good publisher to sort of like help me find that voice. Um, it actually felt like every time I had this next conversation, I was, I was really like a weight was released and, mm-hmm. I felt really like it was really like a process. I mean, literally, I spoke to my dad yesterday actually about um, things, and he's he was just like, "We need to sit down and have like a chat," and because there's lots of unbox like after reading this book, and there's lots I didn't know, and it's actually like quite staggering how many people don't sort of tell their parents or their friends different parts of their lives. And I think as a community, we're so used to hiding so many different parts of ourselves mm-hmm. that actually we forget who we're telling different things to. Mm-hmm. And actually, when it comes to the end of the day, like when we're years older and stuff do you want to look back and think oh gosh they never knew that part of me yeah. and I think that's really sad I don't think we should so the book is about encouraging people to have these conversations now like stop putting them off like whether you're 25 35 50 like have them mm-hmm. and that's what I did and it was a cathartic process it was sad at times and it was hard at times and it was hilarious but yeah yeah I think yeah. what really came through, though, and I, and what I really loved is that relationship with your dad and the the conversation you had with him. And obviously, you're very honest about the fact that your your parents aren't together, and you had uh, a kind of relationship with your mum and one with your dad. And I guess in terms of this process, it was quite different. But I thought, as a father, you know, kind of 
cis white straight man kind of you know having that conversation with you and talking to you and being open I, I don't know it, there was just something really really beautiful about that and I, it, that really came out to me on the on the page um, when I was reading I thought oh that's a that's a good dad he's really looking to support you and wants to have those and the fact that he said to you yesterday we need to keep talking I mean that's just amazing isn't it how nice is that that he can say that to you and I think that's the thing that's that's the one thing so many people actually in interviews have asked me like what do you want to come what did you want to get out of this sort of book and um and I, it was to encourage like people to talk and have these conversations but actually I've had such lovely sort of feedback and stuff from people who have said thanks so much it's encouraged me to talk and now I'm re-talking to my dad again and mm, like, oh, wow. I never I never discussed this with my sister before and um actually like hearing different parts of people's points of view and how they struggled it's important because I think what happens sometimes when you come out as well is it's quite a selfish thing it's quite a selfish process you come out and you've got all of these views of like um okay I'm coming out this is a big thing for me focus on me right now this is my thing sort of thing but what you forget is it affects so many different people in your life and they're going to mm. go through something as well and they do need to chat they need to like have um their opinion put across obviously you hope that it's good you hope that it's going to be um well received and stuff and often it's not i reference in the book um a friend of mine Mustine, who didn't have that reaction he's from a muslim background and his parents were very much different and his process of coming out was horrific um mm. and i wanted i really wanted to showcase that in the book that look just this was my process and I, it was bumpy and rocky but it was okay but there's people obviously in the world going through this right now who mm. are still is still very struggling that's why i say like the journey and the fight isn't over we've got a mm. long way to go there's people who won't accept this and coming out is still scary today as it was 15 years ago yeah absolutely i think what what i really thought about when i was reading this and actually you were encouraging people to have the conversations was that i think if you can it's fantastic but also there are a lot of people that just won't be able to have those conversations because they're either in a situation where the family isn't accepting or it's just they don't have that relationship where they can have those about anything open and honest conversations. So what advice would you give to someone that was contemplating having that conversation and how to approach that? Because I guess it's every every person is going to have their own individual take on whether that's a reality for them, I guess. Yeah, I think the thing the thing is that I would say is... <clears throat> It goes back to how well you know your family as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot of the conversations that I had, I went in with a, a preconceived idea that it was going to be one thing. Most of them were another. Um, so I would I would advise everyone to be open-minded. And if you mm-hmm. think you can't talk to them, perhaps try. Um, mm-hmm. However, if you really feel like there is a, a barrier, like religion, like something else, um, where you f- feel that you can't, find someone else to have that chat with. Maybe yeah. like find a friend and say, this was my experience with my parents. I really need to get it out. Because mm-hmm. actually what I found with the process, especially in interviewing different people and some of the role models and stuff, is you actually there's such a beauty in talking even mm. if you're not talking to the actual person direct which is really helped by encourage it but if you talk about this was my journey this is what happened and to hear someone else like say oh my gosh that's not okay or oh that must have been hard or why did you feel like that it's mm. almost like therapy with friends and i really Absolutely. It. it's um, a sounding board isn't it from someone it's just being able to someone else being able to say to you wow how or even someone just saying how are you how does that feel right now you know because if you don't feel like you can talk to someone and it 
you know it does something to you inside doesn't it you, you you're you're isolating yourself and then you become it becomes more of a, a burden i guess i was speaking with um, attitude magazine and um we were chatting about the book and one question they said is who am i at first because i asked the question in the book like at the start i say i don't really know who i am and then at the end i sort of say who am i um and they asked me like who am i versus when i before i wrote the book to after and it's really interesting actually because i obviously go on a journey during the book and it is a journey and through having these conversations it has changed who i am mm-hmm. um and i think before if i answered who am i i'd have really struggled and mm-hmm. i'd really sort of i'd probably be a little bit quiet i wouldn't say like um i was 100% comfortable with being gay i still I'm sort of struggling at times with it. And I think that's a journey that I just will have to continue on. Mm-hmm. But who am I now after writing the book? I feel like I'm finding myself, I'm finding my voice and I'm having more conversations. I'm not scared of speaking. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the problem. And so to anyone who is thinking about having these conversations, it is scary. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lie. Like to sit down with your parents after years and thinking one thing, it's scary to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's putting your heart out there and to be hurt again it's coming out all over again but absolutely it is a journey that everyone should go on and i mean my parents have now had to read the sex chapter and that's nothing that they should ever have read (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's but it's but it's you know you're human and it's like it it brings a I don't know. It it almost like affirms to, even reading stuff like that is like, well, you know, I'm I'm living a life. I'm I'm myself. Exactly. This is this is the stuff that I'm going through, or you know, whatever. I think it's really interesting. There's a couple of things you mentioned, and and actually, I, I have a question for for you as well, which I'm I hope won't be too personal, but I, I hope that we can have an open discussion about it because I definitely feel like I've evolved over the years of who I am and how I identify. I guess the first thing is you talked about when you first came out having to almost have like a straight persona and I remember I actually wrote about this the other day I remember having a friend who and again it's it's these things that you think about and you go why did I even not question this so it was very much kind of um I think his internalized homophobia and he was very much like yeah I'm straight acting I'm a top I you know I'm you know, basically anything that you know removed effeminate behavior or you know any I guess highlighting that maybe he felt that and I'm you know I am putting my own words on this but how I can only think about it is being a bottom or being effeminate was less than in some kind of way mm-hmm. and being 19 and influential and kind of you know young and finding myself I was like oh right so to be to be a gay a gay man or a gay person you've got to you've got to be that right so yeah so yeah absolutely I'm this is my journey that I'm a straight acting top and it's like I couldn't be uh-huh. further from it it's just hilarious when I think about that now it's just so so funny um and I think <laughs> that you know sexuality identity gender all of that kind of stuff is something that for me is an evolving piece and I think like you mentioned about sometimes not you know struggling with with being gay I think that we all have our our journeys and you know I think that the it's like if you are if you're cis and straight you know it's kind of like you know where you where you are I guess in some kind of way I mean don't get me wrong there are people who go through challenges with that in itself but in terms of sexuality when you're coming out and you are different and you're exploring that I guess it 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 is a moving piece and it's and it's one of those things where we have to understand it a bit more and be brave enough to kind of face it and go, what does this actually mean? And who am I? I'm not Mm. just, you know, I I don't just want to be another binary or another box that 
is comfortable actually I have to question these things so do you do you feel I mean obviously your book is is gay man talking but do you feel I guess that that could be an evolving piece for you over the years like say in 20 years time do you think that actually as you keep progressing on your journey as a as a, a gay person a queer person however you identify actually the title could be something else in a in a book in 20 years time for example and I hope you don't mind me asking that but I think it's a, just a really interesting point you've made think, around evolving you know yeah and you know what I think that's really so true I mean you're right we continue to evolve and I I had similar experiences I thought obviously um I mean I'm so pro not bottom shaming um, oh yeah and I think it's I think it's such a, a terrible thing in the community um, that obviously people can choose their own roles if they want to mm-hmm. um, or experiment, whatever. And I think that with everything, like I've gone through different stages where, like you, like you said, obviously trying to be more hetero or like or what does yeah. this mean and stuff. Yeah. And I'm ever changing, and I'm yeah. ever, I'm, I'm more, I'm, I would say now. Um, mid 30s I'm more comfortable with who I am than I ever have been before mm-hmm. and and I regret that sometimes and I think gosh I wish I could have been that 18 year old twink <laughs> who was <laughs> confident and comfortable yeah. and I'm envious sometimes of like if I see someone who's owning their shit and doing that and I think yeah. that's amazing mm. but I'm continuing my journey and yeah when I'm 50 you know I don't know what I'll think about myself or like what I'll think about those conversations and perhaps I'll need to have them again mm. I mean I said I've said a lot of times I don't think that just because I've even had those conversations that I should stop now I think there's more conversations to have mm. and I think in 15 20 years time yeah absolutely my title will change like I'm confident now and comfortable who knows what I'll be in like years to come and I'm I'm happy with that I'm comfortable mm. I'm not I don't think we have to pigeonhole ourselves anymore and I don't think and I think actually we're getting really a lot better at this for for now maybe I'm verse and mm. I'm comfortable with that and I'm happy to sort of experiment in the future I might be just bottom or I might be a side I don't mm. know like who knows mm. what I'll experience or or maybe I will want a thruple or, or, mm. or an open relationship I mean, I just think everyone's got to sort of find their feet and find their way. And I've said from the start, because I think it's really important that with I'm my background is as a journalist and I write constantly. And this is one opinion and multiple voices, but initially like one opinion. And it's really important that everyone has their voice. And this is not going to be the same. It's not one sort of cookie cutter for all. Mm-hmm. And I think we're all going on a journey. So in years to come, my book might have changed. I might disagree with some of my sort of opinions or feelings. And I hope I do because mm. we should challenge ourselves. We should continue to have these conversations and grow and change who we are because change mm. is actually good. It's like, a good thing. Feel, it's a good thing. I feel so much better for who I am versus who I was 15 years ago. Mm. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Yeah, so, yeah, I would not go back to my yeah my no. late. Story. I mean, you know, it's yeah. I know what you mean when you look back and you think, wow, that person's really got it together. But I guess everyone's on their journey, and we we it's easy to look at from the outside in, isn't it? But um, I I do know what you mean though. You think, wow, what would I tell my nineteen year old self about how just to kind of own their stuff? I think do you know what? what I, and this is I, I I mean I identify as as queer. I think for me that just feels you know more comfortable. Man has never really. I don't know it's something I've always kind of struggled with I think mm-hmm. um so for me queer kind of encompasses everything around kind of sexuality gender just being who you are you know um but I think what's really lovely and what you just said about you know evolving is that how lucky are we that it's a beautiful thing we get to not just be who we are forever it's like and everyone changes but actually as as queer people it's like you know we evolve we you know and and that's i just think it's a really really beautiful thing it's like who knows what we'll all be in 20 years time but isn't that part of the magic of it it's like that's that's incredible do you know what i actually do i was thinking about this the other day i think that actually a lot of the time our community is seen sort of on the back foot and we're following following the crowd but actually i think that we've become the leaders Mm. in like all different communities because i think that the the queer community and I think actually queer is a huge a, a brilliant word I think it's a word that I really feared actually when I was younger mm, I agree I love the way you embrace it and I think you're right I think it 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 does it allows you to be sort of almost labelless and mm. almost be able to be like I don't know I'm I'm happy to just be queer for now and that's that's who I am yeah um, and I think that the thing that I'm starting to see and learn is we are becoming so comfortable and confident and accepted, hopefully. And I think experimenting, changing, challenging ourselves, it's actually making the the sort of the hetero world sort of turn on their head a little bit and be like, oh, actually, well, maybe I can wear a dress. Maybe I can um, paint my nails as well. Maybe maybe I can do these things that were typically seen as female or Mm -hmm. feminine. And I think actually the the queer community is sort of leading in that and mm-hmm. being able to be like well we're standing here being ourselves you can too and mm-hmm. it, it's like that's the other thing that I really hope to get across and I've I've said in all my interviews 
this isn't just a book for the queer community. I mean, I hope it supports and helps. And I hope people can find little gems in it. But it's also for our allies mm. and for people to see, like, we should all be coming together. Like, mm. it shouldn't be two separate things. Like, we should all be embracing each other and there for each other and supporting each other. I mean, you look at the World Cup right now, which is just a disgusting problem, yeah. yes. which, could, which could be a whole new podcast. But... I mean, and I just think uniting is so important. So mm-hmm. it should be about like queer, straight, whatever. We should learn from each other. And I think that we're in a very fortunate position that we're chameleons and we can actually now grow and change. And I think other people are seeing us and being like, oh yeah, that's that's kind of cool. You're owning, mm-hmm. you're owning your own self. And I mean, I hate to throw his name into it because there's pros and cons for it but harry styles for example is very much embracing who he who he is and and i think that it's good for him and like mm. good for everyone to sort of do whatever they feel is right for them so i think I mean, we're very fortunate i agree and you know there's so many different views on on harry isn't there around like is he queer baiting is it you know but but for me i i don't know i kind of think well he could be helping regardless of what he's doing uh, you know and I I like to see the good in situations I like to think that he's just embracing who he is and just being who he is and actually with no agenda and I hope that's the case as well but regardless there could be people watching him going wow it's okay for me to be that person you know and that that's incredible you know that's why not I completely agree and I think it's actually really dangerous to sort of like start coming down on someone without knowing the full story because I think of things like obviously pressurizing people to come out or um like with that guy from Hartsopper again Kit um there's a bullying nature of um pressurizing people to fit into their box or um because it makes people feel better if you've got Mm. a a box okay now i understand you and i think that we need to get away from that i think we need to just be more accepting and let people just grow because essentially the box i was in when i was 18 is not the box i'm in now no no and the box i might be in when i'm 50 um i hope it's changed yeah change is good like so i think that the progressive nature of our community needs to continue, but also needs to support. Like we need mm. to stand by, not just within, but with our allies and, and just yeah. accept people. Absolutely. And in my mind, you know, Harry is very, very queer and um, I love it. <laughs> and exactly. And it's like, it's good, good for him for whatever he's doing and enjoying. Definitely. Definitely. God, he looks, and he looks amazing for it. <laughs> I know, he's incredible. He's so handsome. And yeah. Have you seen My Policeman yet? I haven't. Do you know what? And I'd really I really do need to sort of get up. And I haven't seen um him in that other film as well. So I really need to do a bit of Harry time, I think. Yeah, the My Policeman's really I really enjoyed it. I mean obviously it's set here in Brighton, it's um beautifully yeah. beautifully shot, but um yeah, I I think he, he was good and I've never seen him act before. So um I think he I think he did a, a reasonably good job. Um, but like, you know, and again, this is something I've talked with friends, you know, he obviously has, you know, um, kind of gay sex scenes in it and things. And and he, as an actor, he really commits to it. And he's really, yeah, I just think it's, it was really, really good. He was, you know, as, um, I don't know, he just, he just came across like he was really committed to the role. And I think that was mm-hmm. a really great thing to see. So, um, yeah, we, I went to like a little premiere in Brighton a few weeks ago and, um, it was, it was really, really good. So yeah, definitely would, um, would recommend it. 
I'm so pro like any queer films anyway, like regardless yes. of who's playing the roles and stuff. I think like back to Brokeback Mountain and mm. I think that was like cinema like turning on its head. Mm-hmm. And that was two apparently straight actors. So like I think it should be just accepted like if if it's giving us a platform if it's showing a voice and stuff like that then it's really good so i'm, yeah. I'm pro queer cinema so yeah really groundbreaking yeah it's amazing really interesting thing and again i hadn't planned to talk about this but i'm interested in your views on this as well um in terms of like we talked about top bottoming side all that kind of stuff what's your view on those kind of labels within our community because again i was having this conversation over dinner last night with a friend we were talking about this whole thing around and it's a it's a it's a real thing like um when you go out on the scene and you hear sometimes there'll be like drag queens or you know performers kind of asking people are you a top or a bottom oh and it, i remember one kind of going oh it's such a shame you know but um tops are becoming extinct and it was just a bit like what the fuck are we talking about you know how do you feel about that whole labeling because i, I guess you know with anything like insects people have preferences and people have you know yeah preferences i guess of how they want to be or what they like and what they don't like but again is it another label another binary another box of limitation and i I don't know that's how i see it but i'm interested to know kind of your views i kind of think that labels are only important to the person that they apply to so i think that we worry so much about what the outsiders are thinking of us and i think especially when it comes to like labels like bottom um i mean I think that as a label feels very negative sometimes. Mm. Um, but I actually think that the only importance in labels is really how it applies to you. So yeah, if you're in a relationship and um, you are two very strict bottoms, perhaps that's something you need to overcome or um, you might have a, a couple of barriers if you both want anal. Yeah. Um, am I allowed to say anal? This you can say it. We've, we've said fuck, say anal. Oh, okay. <laughs> say, say what you like. I love that. That was a bit of a, that was a, bit of a Miranda anal. anal. <laughs> I, <know. laughs> I realised that when I said it. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that only really matters sort of like in those scenarios where it's going to affect something. So mm. I guess with labels, I've had a love-hate relationship with it. I've sort of, I did a, a piece um, the other month for um, an American publication about um on an app um, someone called me daddy and I was just like oh wow okay this is new I've not had this before and I was thinking about like how you transition from twink to otter to cub Mm. to jock to daddy or whatever you sort of go through and I think with labels it's other people putting them on you I think that's that's what they are and I think that you can obviously in grinder you can put, put all all your sort of labels i guess top mm-hmm. bottom sides um preferences of what you want what you're looking for and stuff but we are so quick to label each other it's just mm. it's, it's a joke and you go back to comedy and drag queens which i think personally like i kind of think that humor has a different place for those and i think that it's okay to sort of use them as long as everyone is in on the joke. And I think that's, yeah. that's right. I think the danger comes if it becomes the constant. I think it it needs to be like, okay, yeah, well, today we're to- sort of doing a bottom shaming joke, but tomorrow let's do a top shaming joke. Like as long yeah. as you have versatility in that, I think that's sort of all right. Obviously it affects people differently. Yeah. But I think the the whole thing is with labels, we us we're too quick to judge each other with them mm. and we like I, I don't know you walk down the street and my friend was did this the other day and I was just like that's really not on 
but he looked at a person and he goes oh you can just you know that's just a bottom and I was just like you can't just like assume that first of all because people assume that of me like they just say oh you're a bottom you must yeah. be because look how look how gay you are or whatever or and it's just it's not fair like you can't no, no. you can't label someone before so I think I have a love-hate relationship with labels I think sometimes they're a requirement and other times I think let's just cut them out and just let people go on with things yeah yeah, yeah. it's so interesting you said that actually because I, I, there's been conversations before and again it's like we all we're all guilty but we all participate in it and like you see people like see a couple and you, you kind of go mm, I wonder which one tops or which one yeah. and everyone and it's like it's who gives a shit and actually it's you know we have to we have to stop those things it's yeah. really I I think those kind of views are you know really outdated and I think just you know do and live how you want to live and just in, in, enjoy yourself and you know but uh, yeah I just think it's a really interesting topic and it's something I want to keep exploring and keep discussing with people um yeah the, the book was incredible what I really loved as well is your relationship with your sister um and you do you live together is that right yes we do I've, I've put her in a room <laughs> <laughs> but I loved I loved the relationship and and obviously what I'm really keen to know about is you went to or experiment to conversion therapy um as part of the book and the i mean obviously tell us what they told said about your sister and that experience because i think i'd be really interested to to hear more about that yeah i mean yeah so my sister and i sort of decided to live together after a couple of failed relationships and we didn't want to rent anymore so we kind of just like joined um forces and got on the property ladder and we're very fortunate to have a good relationship so kind of just worked um but um just actually the year i was sort of started doing the book I um, got an opportunity to do an undercover piece for the mirror um, on conversion therapy. Mm -hmm. And so I went undercover um, as sort of someone who wanted to sort of rid myself of my sexuality. And I went to um, this conversion therapy sort of course. um, And I mean, I really honestly feel for anyone who really seriously goes through it because it's it's an absolute mindfuck and um no one should have to go through um some of the stuff that they sort of tell you and stuff um but it was interesting because a lot of things that came out were stereotypical stuff that we sort of had been conditioned to be thinking when we were younger and it's the things like oh you play with a barbie doll that's wrong you should not play with a barbie doll you play with your car or whatever um and a lot of the time the person who was sort of doing the therapy would say, oh, so it's interesting, you, your parents split up when you were um, 11. And so you were predominantly living with two women, your sister and your mom. Also, you had a lot of female influences. And then I spoke about, obviously, my sister and playing with my sister and, um, like, obviously different things. And they were just like, yeah, your sister, I think this is a heavily influence in your life. She seems to have a huge power over you. Um, we think that she's been an influential part of you being gay. And it was just crazy. Like, obviously, it's absolutely batshit crazy. But mm. they tell these people things to make you think, oh, okay, is that why? Oh, okay, I see yeah. why. And they really get inside your head. And I honestly, it's not a nice thing to go through. And if anyone's gone through it, I really do feel for them. Um, and I really hope that we can shut down all organisations like that because it's absolutely mm, disgusting. And absolutely. I, felt really, I felt very head fucked after. Um, Did you? 
yeah it was it's a horrible thing because it really does get inside your head I mean I'm, I'm very happy and who I am and um comfortable in my skin now but um I can imagine for someone who's not or going through something then mm. that could really play on their mind mm-hmm. but it was really interesting and yeah they told me to blame my sister and then obviously in the sibling chapter I, I refer to that yeah which is just crazy it's just yeah it, it, I think as well it's you know the actual thing that you're doing there you know conversion therapy the fact that, that even goes on is just awful but I think what you know as well I can only imagine for you to feel awful after the situation is like you're in a room with people who are essentially saying to you you are wrong yeah you are and it's like in any walk of life that's horrendous but for that to happen you know and someone's actually you know being sent or paid to go there to do that it's just I don't know it's how, it's really, how dare it's, people do that it's just it's, awful it's so messed up and it's just like and it really does prey on people like who are in religious or um sort of vulnerable situations where they feel like they've not they've literally not got another yeah. and they need to rid themselves of this thing to live yeah. um yeah. and it's a really serious thing it's, it's just it's disgusting and unfortunately there's lots of underground sort of um mm. therapists and staff that are still active today so it's very it's a huge huge issue but hideous. I mean I, and I think that's that brings me back to my point though on platforms and the fact that we've got fantastic tv shows fantastic sort of books fantastic um mm-hmm. movies and stuff that are bringing this to the forefront to make everyone feel more accepted because when I was younger I was looking for where well where's my representation I want to I want to see something and Absolutely. it's hard so I hope that anyone who's sort of sitting at home nervous about who they are can find something, whether it's a book, a TV show, and find their people and feel a little bit more comfortable and mm. hopefully they don't have to go down this horrendous route. Mm. I remember my first kind of, it's funny actually, it was me and my husband were sitting there watching it and it, it was Glee. It was when Blaine and Kurt first met in season oh, two. Yeah, huge uh, crush on Blaine. Why? Yeah. I know, but like when they met and they were running down that hallway holding hands together, I was like, oh my goodness, why could that? I felt really envious of that storyline. I was like, why did that not happen to me? What, who, where was my Blaine when I was 13, 14? You know, yeah. And so you're right. I think it's having, seeing, you know, queer films, gay films, whatever on, on television and, you know, stories and there's so much literature. I mean, your book, you know, there's so many books out there where people are openly discussing the stuff that is really important. And, growing up you just couldn't walk into a bookshop and access that and if you did it was probably in secret you know and yeah. now it's just like you walk into a bookshop and there is queer literature everywhere and it's like yes this is this is great thank this is going to support people yeah no absolutely thank you so much the the book is incredible and i would recommend anyone having a read it was just really really lovely and as i said i i really did take so much away from it but also i was like oh yeah i, I can recognize that i relate to that and i think it just again even if people have been on a similar journey i think reading stuff like this can just help people process their own feelings and emotions which is great so thank you so much for doing that it's really really cool thanks so much i I hope it encourages people to have conversations and yeah to think think about what they're comfortable with and to move forward and be happy absolutely so we do a couple of things so we always talk about allyship on the podcast and i think that that is something that has come through so much in this conversation already but in terms of our community what do you think over the next 12 to 24 months needs to kind of evolve and and change i 
think like obviously with again i hate to reference it but with the world cup stuff Mm -hmm. i think that's a huge huge issue and i think it's voices i think that we need to unite and be heard and i think allyship is the only way that we can really truly move forward um and i think that it's got to unfortunately the queer community are using their voices in a really powerful way and that's great but it's the sort of allies that we have out there like david beckham need to speak up so in the next 12 to 24 months i think that we need to hear more from um our allies rather than within the community i think it's all very Mm. well that we're shouting from our platforms but we need to be heard absolutely i think it needs to come from those sort of things and people making a stand and it's so sad when people don't make a stand or don't do things and I mean, I think I read that um, Dua Lipa um, said that she would not be performing at the um, the World Cup. And I think, yeah, fuck yes. Yeah. That's brilliant. What a huge audience you've got. She's got a huge, like, queer fan base. And good for her for, like, standing up and not accepting that pay package. Mm-hmm. And I think that more people have got to do that. So I think what ha- has to happen with allies is that we need to continue to hear their voices supporting us because ultimately mm-hmm. that's going to help so much mm, the the um i mean obviously we're recording this this is what is it the 20th of november today this isn't going to go out until the the new year due to the schedule but um i, I wonder what's the response is from david beckham in terms of joy Lysett's. um Ooh, i'll be looking forward to seeing what that how, how that goes down yeah because i think it's like today isn't it if he hasn't responded he's going to like shred the ten thousand pounds which I is think, i think it's going to be shredded um yeah which is, I mean, in itself, that's a real shame because I guess that money could still help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, you know, he is holding David Beckham to account. And I think you can't be an ally on one hand. And I, I love what he said. Have you seen the video? That he, no, I haven't. I've just so, read the article. So he basically says um, something like, um, you are, you were the, you're an ally. You're the first one, the first footballers to appear in Attitude magazine. Um, you married a Spice Girl, which is probably the gayest thing ever. Um, you know, you are an ally. What are you, you know, what are you kind of, uh, what are you doing kind of thing? You have until this time to to kind mm. of withdraw. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a really interesting thing. But again, it's like those those situations have an effect and you can't be an ally on one hand and then no. you know, get a £10 million paycheck because you're... He doesn't need it. He doesn't no. need the money. That's doesn't the crazy the thing about this. He's like turning his back on a community and doesn't even need to doesn't do it. Doesn't need the cash. No. They're very interesting. Um, have you got time for a quick fire round? We always do this at the end of the podcast. Yeah, so, sure. Like like a bit of quick fire. So queer icon. Um, queer icon, I would say Luke Evans. Who's Luke Evans? The um he's Luke Evans, isn't it? Queer icon. Um he was he like played um Oh God! <laughs> he played Gaston in Beauty and the Beast. Um, I, okay. Do you know the one? Really like strapping sort of punk, but he's gay. He's out there, and he's maybe I do know him. Do you know him? Possibly. <laughs> Who is he? <laughs> or, do you mean a, or do you mean a queer icon outside of the queer community? No, no. It could be anyone. It could be absolutely anyone. But no, I'd I'd, I'd have to Google Luke Evans. You don't know Luke Evans? Come I, on. Yeah, I don't, yeah. See, I, I mean, I, it's I, definitely Luke Evans who I'm thinking of. I failed the queer <laughs> test, haven't I? I, mean, I don't even know who he is. <laughs> I mean, I feel like he's just like someone who I just really love how he is. He's just, yeah, Luke Evans. Oh my God, I can't believe you don't know him. Okay, I'm going to Google um, after this. 
He's just, well, like, I feel like he's just an out actor, and I think that's just really incredible. Sorry, mm. I'm just shield the sun. I know, um, bless you. It's really sunny. <laughs> but also, maybe Neil Patrick Harris. I think he's really like he's an he's an icon, and he's like unapologetic, and Absolutely. he's living his life. And I think that's really nice. And I think anyone who actually is an actor and uses their platform, fuck yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, completely agree. Queer anthem. Um, your disco, Kylie Minogue. Oh my god, I had that the other week. Um, I spoke to Chris Clegg from Tuck Shop, and he said that was his as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, good tune. Again, I didn't discover that until a couple of years ago. Oh my god, <laughs> I know this is a this is bad queer. Been under a rock. <laughs> your favorite movie of all time? Oh, <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh my god, that's mine. Yeah, <laughs> I love. Are we that the same film. person? Yeah, I know. I love that film so so much. It's it's coming to again. I read an article about this recently. It's coming theater. to theater, and people are saying actually, you know, it's it's is it something we should encourage? You know, is it kind of anti-trans, and is there yeah. connotations in it which aren't? You know, and it, I guess it's really really valid points. But as a '90s film, my god, that I still laugh at some of the. I, I think I actually can recite most of the lines. I think it's because I can't. I came from not to pull a heartstring, but came from a broken home. So I kind of oh, like I love yeah. I love the messaging in it and the the struggle that they all go through. Yeah, um, but yeah, absolutely. I don't I don't agree with anything against trans, but um, I think just at the moment it was just a film that really just made my heart sing. So yeah, yeah absolutely. Do you have any favorite lines from it? Um, the bit when um, she says about how her husband died, and she says that's my favorite. Like, <laughs> that is ridiculous as i hold this cold meat i'm reminded of winston and she goes yeah. how did he die he was fond of the drinker was the drinker that killed him he was an alcoholic no he got hit by a Guinness truck <laughs> exactly i mean the lines in that are just fantastic it was just that is i can't believe you just said that it's so funny that is that and sister act for me is like oh yeah, good film yeah my faves uh oh my god that's so funny so so funny your ultimate holiday destination oh my goodness um perth australia Oh, okay. Have you been before or? Yeah, I've got, I have a friend who lives out there and I am, I am fortunate enough to visit them a couple of times and it's just a great place. Amazing. Beautiful beaches, um, really nice, like way to switch off and you feel like away from everything. So yeah. 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 Incredible. Amazing. Um, Ultimate girl band. Oh. (laughs) Girls allowed. No, really? Yeah, I would actually, just because I feel like, Oh, I've just, I've absolutely just fucking loved every song. So I'd I mean, say that. they did have a good catalogue. I guess. See, I'm a Spice I mean, Girls fan through and through. Spice Girls is just the obvious answer. Yeah, but they are just—they're my girls. Like, I mean, I did watch the Spice World tour or whatever, and it was absolutely epic. So, oh, in 2019. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my God. It was an incredible show, wasn't it? They didn't need yeah. to worry either. It was, you know, it was very, very good. I know. I, know. I did feel sorry for her, but they definitely didn't. Mel C is my favourite of all time. I love Mel C. She's just, yeah. Oh, good, yeah. Love her. She's so cool. Um, What are you drinking on a night out? Oh, God, where am I? It depends. Um, everything. <laughs> <laughs> everything okay <laughs> I, I guess if i'm on a night out it's a vodka and lemonade i like just something that's hard good easy yeah. to <laughs> and i guess it's like i don't know about you like, i had quite a lot of gin last night but for me if i have stick to one drink i tend to be okay for the night like if i mix then i start to feel a bit like oh that's not not good so yeah a vodka or gin or something oh nice um who would play you in the movie of your life oh my goodness um <laughs> Harry Styles. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, God, I don't know. Um, maybe Timothy Shalomon. Oh, yeah, from Call yeah, by Your Name. I'd have them. Wishful oh, thinking, but that's He's lovely. My God, he's gorgeous. Favourite book of all time? Oh, gosh, hard. Um, maybe one day, because I just really resonated with it, and um, I read it when I was travelling about eight times so yeah amazing amazing and what's next what's next is um book two and um some other things exciting in the pipeline next year which um hopefully will be um just a bit more tv stuff and amazing um yeah watch this space and hopefully fingers crossed good stuff and and also raising more awareness and trying to sort of bring other voices into the mix as well like yourself yeah absolutely no that's incredible thank you so so much for this conversation it was amazing and as i said i really really love the book i urge everyone to go out and get a copy and um yeah it's just great to have these conversations for me they they just give me so much personally um and it's just an opportunity to reflect and talk about stuff that's really important and yeah we all resonate with it and it i don't know it just it just means a lot so i really do appreciate your time and and thank you for for joining the conversation and um, yeah keep in touch it'll be lovely to chat again soon thanks so much and thanks for having me yeah no worries take care see you soon you too take care Cheers. Bye. bye was that all right brilliant yeah good yeah it was nice to chat Fun. yeah yeah i really enjoy it it's it's a it's a nice um yeah, I just I've been starved. It's fine. Your place is lovely, by the way. I really love your kitchen and everything. Really, yeah. So nice. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. Yeah, can't really see anything, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, um, it was really fun. Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, no so problem. It will come out in the new year. Yeah, so basically, I I was going to show because I've got a few um coming out in the next couple of weeks, and I was going to um put it out as like a and do like three authors at once, but nice. um. I thought in the end, actually, I'll keep it as it was. So I've got next week, I've got Miss Cracker from Drag Race because she's oh, doing wow. a show in London, which I know, which is amazing. So I'm so happy about that. I've got Chris Clegg the week after, and then I've got one more, and then it's Christmas. And I don't want to release everything over those two no. weeks because I don't think it will. Do I think much. it's wise. I think yeah. it's wise. Like the new year as well, people will probably be looking for like more content and stuff. So it's a really good time to release some. Yeah. So I've got Nathaniel Hall from It's a Sin and the playwright on the 7th of January, and then you on the 14th. Oh, amazing. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you'll be early early New Year. And again, I also thought about it from the point of view of um, people looking for new books and things in the new year and want to start reading and all that. So it might be an opportunity. That's amazing. I'm really happy. Thank you. Yeah, no, that's really good. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. If I'm in Brighton, I'll make sure that I let you know and we can have a drink or something. That would be amazing. I would love that. Absolutely. And um, I will hold you to your your kind agreement of having a look at my book as well, if that's all right. Absolutely. I'd love you to. I can do. I meant what I said. Like, I really like it's important for me to like sort of use my platform, help others and stuff. And um, I've got some exciting projects actually in the pipe next year. So there's lots of opportunities to to sort of bring um, other queer voices into the mix. Amazing. I'll let me keep you updated. Thank you. And also just a really interesting question as well. Um, or I don't know if it's interesting, but it's it's more just around, I guess, what I'm looking to do going forward. I mean, obviously you've, you've written for different magazines and attitude and all that kind of stuff. That is kind of like I would love to get into more journalist kind of work. What I mean, how do I make that happen? Like in terms of I guess I'm kind of I'm out there with the podcast and I'm writing and stuff like that. But is it is it kind of like for you, was it more like things progressed as time went on or how did I mean, it kind of work? 
I mean, yeah, it's really, it's hard because I mean, I've been in the industry, so I yeah. sort of know people and have seen people and stuff. Um, so I've made like connections, which uh-huh. sounds sounds awful, but it is about who you know. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I would just think, just encourage writing, like, and if you've got an interesting angle, pitch it. Like, yeah. they can only say no or ignore you. Yeah. So just like pitch it to desks and stuff. I mean, all of the magazines have sort of their generic email, and you can just like pitch stuff to them and if you've got an interesting angle or something that links to something yeah do it, do it. yeah yeah put yourself mm. out there i guess I yeah it's almost that kind of like oh would someone be interested but i guess like as you say you start having the conversation you start doing stuff it does kind of encourage you to do more doesn't it and why not and rejection is part of the game like yeah like you are going to get so much rejection like yeah. especially if you're wanting to publish your book like you're you're honestly going to get so much like sort of oh no this isn't for me and stuff and you get mm-hmm. that with like features and articles and stuff and mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's hard it is hard I wouldn't I wouldn't like say it's easy but um I just pitch and see what see what happens, see what happens. Yeah. yeah absolutely thank you so much have an amazing Sunday and um, yeah too. look us up if you're in Brighton that'd be lovely to catch up I will do thanks so much for having All me right. take care see you later bye. cheers bye hey it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands and the best part they're all about safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order that's quince.com slash upgrade hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinarian developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.